Hey, it's Chuck. Today on the show, Corey Dennis turns heel, say it ain't so. A court ruling that affects us all. A college coach puts his colleagues in their place, and Saban's got something to say. Let's get it. He answered that that was not. He's full of shit. I'm not ready to say it's going to happen this season. It's going to happen this season. Do whatever stupid deals you want to do with the most ridiculous buyouts in the world. Hey, you want to be careful. We get a total pass. We get a pass. Give us our jerseys back. It's our birthright, and welcome into Juck on Bucks. Former Ohio State quarterback coach and current Nikki Meyer spouse, Corey Dennis, has apparently left his new job as an analyst at Utah. Dennis has now taken his second job of this coaching carousel, going from working for Ryan Day, then Kyle Whittingham at Utah, two of the classiest coaches in the game, to the not classiest coach in the game, Lane Kiffin, as Dennis is now at Ole Miss. Say it ain't so. Dennis will be an analyst at Ole Miss and work under Charlie Weiss Jr. Now, I hadn't seen Charlie Weiss Jr. since his dad let him roam the sidelines with a headset on during Notre Dame games when he was 12 years old. But uh, Junior's all grown up now, and he looks every bit as smug as Senior, who famously told his Notre Dame team upon meeting them, every game they play, they will have a decided schematic advantage. He then led the Irish to a record of 35-27 and 27 in five years, and then he really showed that decided schematic advantage at Kansas when he went 6-22 and 22 in three seasons. I was not a fan, guys, if that wasn't clear. But we got a bit of news out of Tennessee that we should all be aware of. Now, I definitely don't like to be the bag on the NCAA guy because the NCAA is low-hanging fruit, and low-hanging fruit is boring. Every time Dick and Harry has an immediate response, anytime the NCAA is brought up, the NCAA is a bunch of idiots, the NCAA is a bunch of morons, and in a lot of cases that's true. Maybe most cases. But the vast majority of those Tom, Dick, and Harrys don't even understand what the NCAA is or who grants them the authority that they wield. But we're not getting into that because that's boring too. But I do need to hit on this hilarious situation because it affects us. So you've probably heard something about it but not paid much attention. Fortunately, I've done it for the both of us because I read everything just in case there's something we all need to know. So here's the Juck Notes version, which are faster than cliffs. For the first few years of NIL, the NCAA buried its head in the sand. Schools all realized that the NCAA was burying their heads in the sand, so they did whatever the hell they wanted. Now we were all looking around like, you guys see what's going on. This isn't players getting money for sales of jerseys or a commercial or an autograph session like we were led to believe NIL was going to be. I like rules, right? But who could blame any school for eventually going rogue when all their opponents were blatantly breaking all the rules and you're trying to play it even, Steven? Well, now you're at a disadvantage and you're getting left in the dust. So as a result of this new system, and them not enforcing the rules, NIL has become the cluster show that we know it is today. Then all of a sudden, out of absolutely nowhere, just a few months ago, the NCAA goes down to Tallahassee and hits Florida State with some NIL violations. Then they go after Florida. So now they're really feeling themselves. They're on a roll. They're cracking down. And of course, they know, as we all know, that Tennessee quarterback Nico Liamaliava got a massive $8 million contract to commit to Tennessee. Well, that's not supposed to happen. 
So they load up the little NCAA minivan in Gainesville and make their way up to Tennessee. And that is when they messed up because they found a problem on Rocky Top. And that problem came in the form of a five-foot-tall preacher's daughter from Texas named Dondi. And Dondi is the chancellor of Tennessee, and she don't suffer no fools gladly. Dondi gave the NCAA the business in a letter that was straight fire. And the state of Tennessee took the NCAA to court. Virginia also jumped in the lawsuit just for fun, I guess. And yada, 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 legal mumbo-jumbo, the NCAA is now not allowed to enforce their own NIL rules. Just an absolute mess. I mean, it's total comedy. So guys, we're on the precipice of a lot of change, right? In scheduling, conference realignment, the playoffs, pay structure for athletes. But in the meantime, nothing's changing in NIL. And we need to just be grateful that we now have a properly running NIL and a president in Ted Carter and an AD in Ross Bjork who are committed to ensuring that Ohio State will be competing on a level playing field. Because all we've ever needed is a level playing field, and then we can win or lose on our own merits. But with this ruling, which is currently just an injunction, we can now be certain to expect that the Justin Scotts and the Jordan Lyle all of a sudden flips to the Miamis of the world over a big bag of cash will continue to happen. Because while we are now spending money, we're spending it the right way. Quality transfers, helping our current players, and making it more enticing for our seniors to stay home their last year and improve their draft stock. I'm not saying that none of our recruits get any money. They do. But it's not like the deals they're getting in other places. Because one, we don't need to do that. And two, our staff believes that guys that just care about the big bag, like just the biggest financial offer, aren't probably the best fits for the program. Program that they're running. I respect it. I was asked by somebody in the comments about potential the potential of NIL collectives preventing our players from transferring. So I had a conversation with the big cheese at one of our collectives, and this is straight from him. I highly doubt we'll see collectives stopping transfers. There would need to be some insane clauses in there, but I'd love to get my hands on that Chase Basantis contract. Of course, Chase Basantis was the offensive lineman from Texas A&M who entered the portal. We had a good shot at getting him because we were second in his recruitment out of high school. And uh, boy, we really wanted him too. Kid's good. Well, there was something in his contract where he ended up going back to Texas A&M because it had something to do with he was not going to get some money that was owed to him or he was going to have to repay some money. But there was something in there that made him have to go back to Texas A&M. And the attention on that case alone will all but ensure that nobody ever signs another deal like that again on the player end where they will be restricted in some way from transferring and money's tied to that. So, so I hope the Juck notes on that were somewhat entertaining and not nearly as boring as the pages I read of the court case. They were boring. Now, there's been a lot of talk going around that coaching in college has become so difficult, just too much, with the NIL and the portal that coaches are leaving in staggering numbers and heading to the NFL. Well, it's certainly different, but Brandon Marcello of 24-7 ran some data, and it turns out that fewer coaches this cycle left and went to the NFL than the previous cycle. But it's not just leaving for the NFL, right? I mean, these guys are being forced now to keep their own kids from transferring, basically recruit their own staff, all while trying to bring in other transfers, 
while trying to keep up with guys' NIL demands, while they're not supposed to be messing with the NIL collective, and they're trying to get money coming into the NIL collectives through boosters and donors, all in addition to the normal grind of running a program that they've always had to deal with. It's just an insanely bizarre whole system. It's really wild, right? So you've added this entire new dimension into coaching that's basically like a whole new job unto its own and put it on top of everything they already had to do. In the December calendar, absolutely untenable long-term, right? The portal opening, early signing day, preparing your team for a bowl or playoff berth, hopefully, all at one time. We just saw Chip Kelly leave UCLA as their head coach to come to Ohio State and be their offensive coordinator. This is a move we've never seen ever. Basically transferring in conference, a coach goes, takes a lesser job in his own conference. I mean, it's bizarre. It's a crazy move. But we can understand why for a guy like Chip Kelly, that made sense. But that's not all. I mean, this coaching carousel, we also saw Kane Womack, the head coach from South Alabama, and Maurice Lindquist, the head coach from Buffalo, head over to Tuscaloosa to join Kalen DeBoer's new staff at Alabama. It's being said that they did that because they didn't want to be head coaches, speculated. They didn't want to be head coaches anymore. They'd rather go coach ball and be assistants. Well, I would argue that being an assistant at Alabama or Ohio State is potentially just as big of a springboard for a big job and maybe even faster than being a head coach at a smaller school, especially after you've already got a couple years of experience under your belt being a head coach. I think the route they went, you know, you can say maybe it's because they didn't want to be head coaches anymore, but you could also say it's a savvy career move. I think I'd go with it's a savvy career move. But I also think Sean Lewis left Kent State, you know, where he was the head coach and a pretty successful head coach at Kent State, to go be Dion's offensive coordinator in Colorado because that was a faster springboard, he thought. Of course, Dion demoted him from offensive coordinator because Colorado was losing because Dion built a roster with Kent State caliber linemen. So the other day we went over NCAA president Charlie Baker's proposal, and that was to move the early signing day period just a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks earlier, right? So he wanted to move it to the Wednesday of conference championship week. This solves absolutely nothing. It's been widely panned by coaches and talking heads all over the country. But the one thing we've always known about the coaching profession, we've heard it from the time we were kids, right? And that is these dudes work insane hours. They sleep in their office, blah, 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 blah. You know what I'm talking about. Well, Arizona State's Kenny Dillingham who is one of uh, quickly becoming one of my uh, favorite coaches. He's had enough of hearing about his fellow coaches whining about how hard it is to be a, a college coach. Now I'm not going to read yet his entire quote, but here's a little snippet from a local radio show and it's not going to do it justice. My delivery is not going to be anywhere near as good because this dude's hilarious and I'm not, but I'm definitely going to be rooting for him in Arizona state. Here we go. There's a lot of negative of it. Yes. But do you know how many people want to be a college football coach? I literally spent nine years of my life doing anything to become a coffee boy. So don't give me, oh, it's hard to be a college coach right now. Then quit. Then quit. That's how I look at it. We're blessed. Don't complain. I'd highly recommend you look it up. Kenny Dillingham, Arizona State head coach. I'm a new fan. His delivery was superb. And in another statement I saw yesterday, 
Former Maryland GM Gerald Smoke Dixon, who recently quit his position in college football to take a gig at 24-7, well, he has a solution for coaching issues. But his solution focuses on time with family because Smoke Dixon left his job as the general manager for Maryland football because he missed his son. Now, I commend that, even as I just made fun of Charlie Weiss for having his 12-year-old son on the sideline at Notre Dame. But that's Charlie Weiss. Look, we all know that these guys see their kids a lot less than they would like to. And that sucks for them and their kids. Probably not as much as their wives, because let's face it, it takes a weird personality to excel in this profession. But anyway, what's Smoke's big plan? Smoke's big plan is he wants to put a time limit on how many hours coaches and support staff are allowed to work. He wants the NCAA to implement a time limit. You're only allowed to work this number of hours. Well, that's okay for truck drivers, right? Truck drivers, you got to put a time limit on them because they'll, they'll keep driving and driving and fall asleep and kill somebody. But I'm sorry, Smoke. I respect that you love your family, and I respect that you took a pay cut and gave up a job you might have loved to spend more time with them. But you can't tell somebody else that they're not allowed to put in the extra hours to excel in their career. Unless, of course, it's a truck driver and you're putting someone in danger, right? If Bobby Petrino wants to go and be a less than stellar husband by working 18 hours a day and other things, and this is America. It is what it is, right? We all work. Many of us own businesses. You can't tell me that I can't work as hard as I want, as long as I want to try and get ahead. And you certainly aren't going to tell the Ryan Days or Kirby Smarts or Brian Kelly's of the world that they can only turn in an eight-hour day. That's not happening. That's up to each individual to work out their family life work balance as they see fit. Now, I'm with Kenny Dillingham on this one. Would I love to be a college coach? No. But I think there's a whole lot of people who probably wish they might have pursued that when they were younger because it certainly does have its benefits, right? So there's absolutely a lot of ton of dudes like Brandon Jordan, the Buckeyes' new pass rush specialist, who described going to coaching conventions and trying to do anything he could to get that coffee maker position at any program. He couldn't even get a single look. There's a lot of guys who want to get into coaching. So he's right. Way to go, Dillingham. Let him know what's up and go Sparky. Now, we've all heard that Nick Saban is joining the set of College Game Day. That's awesome. It stinks for me because I'll never watch that show as long as they continue to employ that unprofessional hack, Desmond Howard. And I'd love to hear Coach Saban. Because the 180 I've done on Nick Saban is about the hardest 180 I think I've ever done on a public figure in my life. I used to hate this guy from his time at Michigan State to LSU to the Dolphins and lying to them to going to Alabama and the Alabama fans thinking they had just got some great coach and I certainly dismissed him. But now, you know what else? It didn't help that my wife always talked about how handsome Nick Saban was. Like that really bothered me a lot because he's not. He's not handsome. Anyway, I live by some of Nick Saban's mantras now. I've attacked my career at times with some of Nick Saban's mantras in my head. Hell, I've attacked this project with some of Nick Saban's mantras in my head. He's an unbelievably motivational guy, and he's got a ton of wisdom. Well, Nick wants to make some changes in college football, some changes that he doesn't feel he could really speak fully on as the Alabama head coach 
because he thinks it may have sounded self-serving. I don't know, Nick. I've heard you say some things in the past that might have been a little self-serving for Alabama, but we'll keep it moving. Here's what here's some of what Nick had to say, which pretty much lines up with how I think most of us feel about the state of college football right now. If my voice can bring about some meaningful, meaningful change, then I want to help any way I can because I love the players and I love college football. But what we, what we have now is not college football, not college football as we know it. You hear somebody use the word student athlete that doesn't exist anymore. Listen, I'm for the players. It's not that I'm not for the players. I want to see the players have a great quality of life. And I want to be able to create, see them create value for themselves. But we've gone to nobody talking about education, nobody talking about creating value for their future, to talking about only how much money they can make right now while they're in college. And I think the consequences of this could come down the road when these guys are 28 or 29. Maybe they didn't prepare themselves for when they can't play football anymore which is, you know, what you should do in college. But what you have now, this isn't name, image, and likeness. A collective has nothing to do with name, image, and likeness. So Saban goes on to give some brief kind of outline about some kind of contracts. Maybe we could do this. Maybe we could do that. But something's going to change with NIL. And eventually, they're going to make these guys employees. It's just going to happen. Uh, collectively, You've seen the movement building. The schools have had enough of this, particularly the ones that are losing the NIL battle. And, you know, there's a whole lot more that are losing than are winning. So we're going to see some change on it soon. So congrats to our man Liam Kelly and Matt Hoffman for winning a shiny new Juck on Buck shirt when they correctly answered our Buckeye trivia question of the day last episode. And that question was, in 2005... The Buckeyes went up to Ann Arbor and played a nail-biter of a game. The Buckeyes ended up pulling off a win when this former running back rushed for a touchdown with 24 seconds left. Hint, number 25. And the correct answer, of course, was Antonio Pittman from Akron, Ohio. Antonio is an Akron Bookdale Griffin. Griffs are bad boys. A kid who was just getting to know his father when he was declaring for the draft as he was just getting out of prison. An insanely underrated Buckeye, who will be our next Remember a Buckeye, because his story goes far beyond his back-to-back thousand-yard seasons in the Scarlet and Gray. But that's for another day. Today's Buckeye trivia question for a shiny new Juck on Buck shirt, whoever could put it, and put it in the comments first. But last time I didn't know who was first, so I just gave it to both of them, because they're good dudes. In 2005, the best linebacker in the country was A.J. Hawk but A.J. was snubbed for the Butkus Award for the nation's best linebacker and the Bednarik Award and the Lott Award. The team wasn't happy about it at all. A.J. seemed to take it in stride. But one Buckeye in particular spoke out, which was pretty serious back then. You didn't see a whole lot of that. His quote, I'm not too sure how you can, how you can be Defensive Player of the Year in the Big Ten a unanimous All-American, and not win the Buckus or the Lot or the Bidneric. So today's question is, who was A.J. Hawk's teammate that said that to ESPN? Or name me the lesser linebacker that won the Butkus that year. Either answer is a winner in my book. 
And that's Chuck on Bucks for today. I've finally been approved by Apple Podcasts. You can catch all the episodes over there on Spotify and podcast form. Follow on TikTok for my quick hitters, Juck.on.bucks or Juck on Bucks Twitter. The show's doing way better than I could have ever imagined. Thank you so much. And a huge thanks to our partner, Homage, the clothing company that makes up half my wardrobe. Listen, y'all know Homage. Y'all love Homage. I know you love their hoodies and their tees. But don't sleep on the polos. I wear one of those three times a week. They're just as good as everything else and the best polos I own. And if you're in a pickle for a gift, send a red homage package. They'll love it every time. Doesn't even matter what it is. Pick something out and send it. Always a great gift. Uh, Listen, please subscribe. Please like. Don't forget that alert bell because while I'm posting a lot of videos, I'm still not great at the whole set schedule thing. But I promise I'm putting in hard work and long hours for this. And I will continue to as long as it's fun and I'm having a blast. Chuck on Bucks. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks.